There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. It is Drive Live, but it's NLT and Tim with you this afternoon here on Dubai Eye. Myth and uh, Ramesh from our sister station hit 96.7 with us there talking about the uh, floods in Kerala and how that's affecting uh, hundreds of thousands of people. That's the latest we have on um, what's happening there. It's time to move on, though, now to education. Drive Live talks education. Do you know what, NLT? I'm still trying to get my head around everything that goes on. It's I know. A bit like you go away on holiday and you come back and your hair, your hair, your hair disappears, mind it's every day. It's growing. Uh, but Your it's, hair's growing. You need a haircut. I do need a haircut. Thanks for <laughs> noticing. Uh, but it's a bit like you fill it with fluff while you're away. Do you know what I mean? Like it's hard to get back in wool. the yeah exactly hard to get back in the zone. Uh, I think we now have those three guests uh, with us here in the studio. We're joined by uh, Sass Brown, who is back in the room with us. She is the dean of. I like to say Didi, uh, <laughs> Sass, for some reason. It kind of works. There was a song years ago, but I'm not going into that. But it's nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, nice to, to have here. you here. We're going to be talking uh, to you uh, to get an update on the Mars workshop. Also, Rafi Chikirian is with us, who uh, is cross-disciplinary design faculty, uh, the person in charge of that. Didi, nice to see us. you, uh, Rafi. So the last time you were here, we'll come to our third guest in a moment, but the last time you were here, we were talking about Mars. Let's just start right back. Back at the beginning of that with what the whole Mars thing was about, Rafi. So basically, in from July 17th until July 19th, we had organized a design workshop okay. at the, the IDI. It was a series of workshops, and one of them was about Mars. And we had 60 students, pre-college students, mm-hmm. coming in. And the goal of the workshop was to design shelters on Mars. And basically... The main aspect of it was how can you uh, design uh, for colonies in the future using the resources found on site because it's not that you can take uh, building material enough building material yeah. to build for 100 people. Yeah. So the, that that was the main goal of the workshop. Now to get into details, we actually we were thrilled by the number of interest. Uh, 60 around 60 students, pre-college. We had some professionals. We had uh, around. 10 to 12 university students as well. And I mean, the way they tackled the problems was quite unexpected because you wouldn't, uh, I had to give them a series of lectures. So there were three lectures uh, to begin with. One was on the role of design in space, because when you combine design and space, it th- people start to say, well, how, how are you designing for space? This is for the engineer's field. The second, so that was, okay, no, the role of design is fundamental, especially in the new emerging space industry. The second lecture was about uh, what are the conditions on Mars, because as a student, especially as a pre-college student, you might not know that the, the, the gravity is at 30% and so on. And the third lecture was how would you build with that? So with this uh, three lectures that was giving them the information they usually acquire in three months and under a couple of hours, they had all the know-how to start and build so when you came in before, and Sass, let me uh, put this to you. One of the things, as the Dean of uh, the Dubai Institute of Design and Innovation, one of the things that we were all trying to get our head around uh, in this studio, and we put this to you at the time, was uh, why would you open this to students? What were you looking to get? And it was all about... Uh, as far as I can uh, remember, it was about a fresh approach. You were looking for innovative ideas, and that phrase, thinking out of the box, comes up again. And I understand uh, <laughs> the look on your face when I say that. But that's really what you were looking for. So how did that go? 
Yeah, it was all about um, utilizing the design thinking concept of teaching. So where do you get your ideas from? And Rafi was the one that supplied those ideas. What are the finite restrictions for designing and constructing in Mars? Um, And let's look at it from multiple perspectives. So that's why we wanted this sort of innovative thinking. How about building um, societies? What about um, security issues? What about um, lifestyle and quality of life issues? So students looked at all sorts of different perspectives. What would they wear? Uh, (laughs) What would the policing be like? Um, How about plants and growing food? That would be my first concern. What am I going to be eating? Um, I would be like, "Mm, what? Yeah, what can I take there and what can I make that would assist me in well, food, cooking, eating. Take is very limited. I mean, yeah. space is obviously at a premium in a spaceship. You don't take many things with you. So hence the challenge of how do you build, how do you sustain a society in a place that is very foreign, doesn't have natural resources that we're used to, including the air that we breathe. I mean, it's the thing is, it's so different. You say there, what would you wear in space? And I automatically think, well, spacesuit. So that's <laughs> fine. But if you think about it and you take it a little bit further, you're going to be inside a space station of sorts, some kind of habitat. Um, you're going to have different clothes on so you don't Correct. need the spacesuit. And then you have to wash those clothes. So how do you do laundry? And what? Mm-hmm. Where do I, I, these are all things I hadn't even thought about. And that's sort of the point of doing a workshop like this, because, you know, when it's just a a random question that you don't delve into in any depth, you you don't really evaluate all those daily life things that you need to do. You Mm. need to stay clean. You need to wash. You need to grow food. You need to eat. You need to breathe air. You need to build societies. Um, You need to structure those societies. You need to have some sort of policing of those societies. So all of these things needed to be um, considered. I think um, one of the things that came up when we had you in before, it was just basically the fact that Tim and I are slightly older and um, young people had a different approach. I was looking at it in quite a, what do I have in my life here that I like, that I could take with me? But what you guys were sort of saying is, it's a blank canvas and young it minds is. are excellent at adapting to that, aren't they, Rafi? They always ask the right question that you don't know the answer to. They <laughs> somehow manage to ask you stuff and you're baffled. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> well, oh, OK. How? And like that, we started to build. I so mean, what, to... Did, what did they ask you this time that baffled you? What was, what was the question that took you aback? Would you wear makeup on Mars? And Fair point. <laughs> You want to look your best, don't you, wherever you are. <laughs> but it was not about that. Makeup on Mars would be used differently because, as you know, also you know, during war and on submarines or on uh, vessels and ships, people use makeup and the different uh, sailors took women clothes with them to for theatrical purposes because they had theater on the boat to, to um, combat monotony and boredom. So mm. the way you use these things will be completely different. I mean, it's uh, for entertainment and, uh, yeah. We need to we need to go to the news. Uh, I just wanted to get the thoughts of our uh, other guests. So I haven't introduced yet because we're going to be talking to Graham Scott about something slightly different in a moment. Graham is the founding director of Fair Green International School. Um, Graham, you're listening to this conversation uh, about Mars, and there are lots of things here that need a unique perspective, and that's clearly what uh, the Dubai Design uh, Institute of Design and Te- uh, Innovation were trying to do. But what what crossed your mind? 
um, when you've got something as simple as thinking about what you're going to wear or whether you should wear makeup, those kinds of questions. Well, uh, thank you for having me. Um, it, it's, I think it's a fascinating project because, you know, we've said so many times that the children are, are better critical thinkers than adults are. Um, children have, have fewer um, uh, sort of opinions that have been formed over the ages and, and design thinking is a fascinating way of exploring those things. So in Fairgreen, that, that's a, an angle that we're going to take. We're certainly using a design thinking uh, approach. Uh, we, we've said a number of times that learning looks very different to how it looked. You know, it, uh, it was once described to me as it used to be transferring the notes from the teacher's notebook to the student's notebook without passing through the brains of either. Um, <laughs> w whereas now we, we demand so much more from our children and they produce more. Uh, they're a lot more critical of, of what we say. They challenge us a little bit more. And I think that's, that's really healthy. And this, this project sounds just a, a wonderful experience for contemporary students. I think I was at school in uh, notebook time, the notebook <laughs> era, uh, I have to say. Three guests with us on Drive Live Talks Education Day. Graham Scott, founding director of Fairgreen International School. You heard there. Sass Brown is the dean of uh, the, let me just get this uh, right here, the Dubai Institute of Design and Innovation. And we also have uh, with us Rafi Chikirian, who is cross-disciplinary design faculty talking about the Mars uh, project for the students. We'll come back to that in a moment. We're also going to be talking sustainability in schools and green practices too. This is Drive Live with Natalie Lindo-Taylor and Tim Elliott. It is. We're talking education this afternoon, our usual Sunday evening, uh, early afternoon evening discussion. It's uh, a little bit about Mars workshop that happened uh, recently. We're going to get some more details uh, on that. It happened at the Dubai Institute of Design and Innovation. We've got two guests from there with us, Rafi Chikirian and also Sass Brown uh, is here, plus Graham Scott's here, founding director of Fairgreen International School, to talk about sustainability. These two are linked, so uh, Graham, going to come to you in a few moments on that. But I want to get back to Mars, uh, if we can, Sass, to see uh, what happened here was students, 60 students, I believe, mm -hmm. invited to come up with how on earth you would survive, what you would need, what yeah. you need to think about for a mission to Mars. Um, we've talked about the ways students approach uh, a question like that, the kinds of things they say, the makeup uh, question. Everything's valid in yeah. this situation, uh, whatever's on your mind. But let's talk about outcomes now. What actually uh, transpired after the event? Well, there were a number of really interesting outcomes that came out of these projects. Students had to present both prototypes as well as diagrams, sketches, explanations, presentations of how they would build these sustainable societies and communities on the Red Planet. So some of them incorporated where would you live? So, for example, there are countless lava tubes, which are uh, underground cave systems from ancient volcanic activity on Mars. So some of them chose to build within those locations. They're already within the planet. They're already in existence. So they were utilizing existing space. Others were building other structures, whether they were on the polar region and they were building sort of igloo-like structures out of the ice, which also then had the outcome of being able to utilise the ice, melt the ice and use it as water, obviously a fairly important part of life mm. on another planet, <laughs> being able to have drinking water. Well, the Eskimos know a trick or two up their sleeve when it comes to that, don't they? They've yeah. been doing that for years. They got it right, That's uh, right. really. 
Okay. Uh, what else happened? What, what, what did you take from it, Rafi, uh, in terms of outcomes? So, <clears throat> I mean, there were quite innovative ways to tackle the problem of radiation and micrometeorites. That's why you would build on, in a lava tube, because you need the quantity of regolith, which is the Martian soil, to protect you from the radiation, because not having an atmosphere or having a limited atmosphere, you are uh, continually bombarded by the radiation and these micrometeorites. So uh, the lava tubes are perfect escape from that or uh, shelter from that, or the, the, the water itself is a perfect radiation uh, isolation system. That's why you would build in the polar region. So some other students actually utilized their uh, the vehicle, the, the rocket they were, or the spaceship they were landing with, then they extended these membranes from the rocket and they uh, covered it with uh, with water, so this membrane solidify because temperatures on Mars are usually below zero, and by these shells that they created and they covered it with the Martian regolith, they were able to protect the local colonies from all those uh, harmful and harsh conditions of space. So, and at some point they said, well, if there, there, uh, there's an emergency, we can just board the spaceship and uh, the, go back to orbit. So, I mean, they were tackling in ways that I said, well, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have ex expected. And I didn't even explain that to them. They were just coming up with solutions uh, on their own. We well, see, this is the thing, NLT and me, uh, NLT's first question is going to be, what's for breakfast, what's for lunch, <laughs> what's for dinner? Uh, as she's Fair question. I, I, I'm think. thinking, have I got enough t-shirts to ask me? And that, those are the, the simple things. We approach it from a completely different place. But uh, I hadn't thought about radiation. I haven't read up a great deal about it. But these the students are looking at this. And what gets me is that they're thinking it through. They took this seriously, I think. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And super professional. And also the way they were presenting it, like 13-year-olds or 15-year-olds, I mean, they were they were like groups of five or six people in every group. And we had eight groups. And the way they were passing, you know, they, they were explaining and then they were letting their colleagues to, uh, to, to speak. And they were doing it as if they were like professionals in a space agency selling their project to the jury, of uh, which was the DD faculty. And, well, uh, we were quite thrilled. Uh, in, in fairness, teamworking would be a necessity of living on Mars, yes, I think. So it was yeah, good preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, ultimately, after this, what, what's been, what have you learned from it? And what have you picked up from it, Sess? Gosh, um, that there's an endless uh, amount of creativity out there that we are super excited to be opening our doors on the 2nd of September and to be orienting our first group of students and uh, and welcoming them to the campus. And to that end, we still have a few spots left and a couple of scholarships <laughs> for anyone interested. <laughs> You're allowed uh, that quick plug. Let's get on to sustainability <laughs> because these are linked. If you're on yeah. uh, Mars, you're on the red planet, you're going to have to reuse everything. And clearly the students thought about zero that waste. with the, the rocket. Waste exactly. is a crime. Uh, zero waste uh, is exactly the way to go. Graham Scott's here to talk specifically about sustainability, founding director of Fair Green International School. Hopefully the students uh, at your school are going to be uh, as critical thinkers uh, as the students clearly are at DIDI. Um, I need to ask you a question to start with, uh, uh, Graham, how schools uh, can be sustainable? How do you demonstrate that at a school? What does sustainability mean in a school? I think we, we hear the term a lot and there's a danger of sort of uh, a bandwagon element to this. Uh, for me, every school should be reducing, reusing, recycling, whether they're a sustainable school or not. That should be part of our DNA now anyway. Uh, I think one of the differences with our school is everybody completely buys into this concept and 
not just as, as a concept, but in terms of their practical um, daily behaviors. Um, I, I actually live now in the sustainable city, which is one of the most remarkable communities I've, I've ever come across. The school is situated in the sustainable city. So um, I, I suppose the parallel for me is when I was at, at college, I, I studied uh, physical geography and glaciation in particular fascinated me. But I only really got glaciation this summer when I walked for the first time on a glacier. And I touched the blue ice and I saw the moorlands and the ice caves and so on. We, we're really excited because, uh, as I say, we all buy into, into the sustainability concept. But it's going to be easy for our students to, to learn the theory, but then look outside their window, not even look outside their window, be in a building that's sustainably sourced, go to the bathrooms where the water is mixed with air. So it reduces the, the pressure is the same, but the amount of water they consume is less. Um, I also think of it in terms of the, the personal impact. We, we, we've seen a lot of people wearing fitness bands on their wrists, which gives them personal data that's specific to them. So it motivates us to, to move more, to climb more stairs, to burn more calorie, because that data is, is personal to us. We have the ability in, in Fairgreen to, to be able to show children and actually have children manage the data so they'll know what their own um, ecological footprint is, how much water they're consuming, how much air conditioning they're using. So as well as uh, learning this as part of their curriculum, they'll be actually practicing it as part of their daily life, both at home and at school. You see, that's a better example, I guess, of sustainability for me because we talk to lots of people and sustainability comes up. And it is a buzz phrase to some extent. And I think perhaps uh, companies, organisations are trying, but I think many nod at sustainability rather than really do something. It's very hard to get uh, a definition that you don't slightly sneer at uh, at times, I think. But the bathroom example there, for example, mixing water with air kind of brings home what you're trying to do. Sash, how would you, you uh, are passionate, I think it's fair to say, Absolutely. about sustainability. How would you define sustainability? I, I think, you know, there is a, an existing definition of it, and it's one that's more often forgotten than not. And it comes from the Brundtland Report, which is sort of almost ancient history at this stage. It's 1987. But uh, the Commission came up with the definition of what sustainability means. And it seems to be quite forgotten in many circles. But what it is, is sustainable development is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And I think it's a very succinct way that's not specific to discipline or region or area that really very well describes what sustainability is about. How do the kids uh, at the school, uh, how do children generally now uh, approach sustainability? Is it just part of their DNA? My kids, for example, recycling to them is, if I can get my son to take the bottles to the recycling bin, it, I mean, but it is second nature. It wouldn't be throw the cola bottle in the trash without washing it out and putting it in the right bin. They just wouldn't do it anymore. No, and, and I'm really encouraged by this generation of, of students we have in our schools now. We hear a lot of sort of climate change hell stories. And, and one of the researchers at the Sustainable City explained to me that we've been trying to sell that for a long time and people aren't buying it. And instead of that, we should be selling zero carbon heaven. And that's the sort of angle that we'll be, we'll be coming from at the Sustainable City. Uh, but children, this group of, this generation of students, generation 
uh, Z, we call them Generation Alpha, I think, the, or the new ones, the young ones. They're, they're extremely confident, but they're very passionate about this. Um, I've worked with students in my previous school in Bangkok who um, I, I presented with them to a group of about 70 teachers, and I became the warm-up act. They were the ones who had the real super credible uh, passion, enthusiasm, uh, and, and it really wins over adults. So, you know, I think this is one of those examples, and, and we, we, can, we can sort of say it sounds twee, but of a younger generation being more persuasive uh, than, than our generation, because really our generation hasn't done a fantastic job uh, in terms of uh, stewardship of the planet. Drive Live Talks Education, we're going to come back shortly and talk about zero carbon heaven, another definition, uh, I think. More about Generation Z uh, and Alpha. Three guests with us talking about sustainability. It's Drive Live Talks Education. We've got three guests, Rafi Chikirians here uh, from the Dubai Institute of Divine Design and Innovation. Sass Brown is the dean uh, of said uh, school as well. She's with us and Graham Scott, founding director of Fair Green International School. So we've moved from Mars. We're now at sustainability. There's a very clear connection between the two. Talking about sustainability in schools how the current generation of is it z is it alpha is it where where are we in terms of generations how they i suppose graham uh, are leading the charge and it would be fair to say that the youth of today for want of a better phrase uh, are much more aware than the likes of i guess most of us uh, in this room if we're all completely honest but uh sas you made the point just now there's so much more education still to be done there's so much more information that we need to put out there and we need to make it easy yeah we do absolutely i mean it's a mission for didi that you can't be a forward thinking institution in this day and age without integrating sustainability across all of your curriculum and that does require education my background for example is sustainable fashion and you know you can put those two words together sustainability and fashion most people go what is that well I I was going to ask you actually (laughs) what is sustainable fashion because it sounds great is it I don't know um, socks that wash themselves (laughs) well it's it's many different things but I mean it's the concept of sustainability whether you're talking about upcycling recycling zero waste Um, whether you're talking about fair trade, whether you're talking about organic or natural materials, there's so many different perspectives in the apparel and the textile industry that can combat the enormous waste and the incredibly large environmental footprint it has. I mean, uncommonly known, even within our own industry, this is the third largest industry in the world. I'm talking about fashion and textiles. Second largest polluter in the world. Second largest consumer of water in the world. This is an industry that can change how we do business, how we consume, and it absolutely should be changing how we teach fashion education uh, or any education that involves textile consumption. There's lots we can do uh, personally. I just, my mother, I've just been uh, on holiday for a month. So my mother sews and it's a way of her, she has always made stuff. So she'll make shorts and shirts and all kinds of things and is really, really good at it. And it's something that she can concentrate on. But my son has a pair of those kind of cloth trainers, a little hole in the front. He would have gone out. I would have gone out and said, just buy a new pair of trainers. Those are junk. She sewed them up. You can hardly see it. Uh, I suppose that's sustainable practice. We knew my mother's obviously of a different generation. She didn't waste anything, doesn't waste anything. What happens that people of my generation waste stuff willingly, Graham? And yet we've gone back the other way. Where, where was the disconnect? 
Yeah, we've become a bit of a, a throwaway society. Uh, things aren't mended or fixed. They're just replaced. Yeah. Um, we were talking with our uniform suppliers, actually, about sustainability because they're, they're, they're in it as much as we are. They're going through an accreditation program at the moment linked to sustainability. But one of the most important things uh, for us, and it may not be the, it may not sound the coolest thing, we're not making uniforms out of plastic bottles or whatever, it's just the, the longevity of the uniform and whether these can, be, can live long enough that they're passed down from one child to another to another. Uh, but I think... You know, one of the changes I hope we're going to see is, I remember a, a while ago when I was ahead in the UK, we schools moved um, in terms of the way they managed themselves financially. Schools became accountable themselves rather than the local education authority providing us with a budget. I think one of the things that's going to happen now, and I hope it does, is we become accountable for our own environmental footprint. So schools are actually held to account and are responsible for water usage, energy usage, waste management, things like that. And, you know, I, I think our students are the ones who can actually lead and manage this process. I really do. Uh, so the students become the policemen uh, yeah. almost. But who would hold you to account? I mean, here in the UAE, for example, would that be the KHDA? Would that be DEWA? Who, who uh, turns up and says, hold on a minute? I think we can be a little bit more courageous about the, the data that we share. Um, and maybe that sounds okay from us coming from a sustainable school in the sustainable city. So we're in a good position, of course. Uh, but I think our children hold us to account. And I, I would like our students, whether they stay at Fairgreen, whether they move to another country, to be the ones who are banging on the principal's door saying, you know, hey, why are we using plastic cups when we can use bamboo ones? Why are we using plastic straws here? Uh, did you know you've got the aircon on and the door open? And uh, actually, university students around the world for years have been the ones that have pushed their universities into making sure that the textiles and the production of their school uniforms or their um, whatever other consumption that they have, whether their T-shirts are made either fair trade or sustainably or from recycled materials. They've pushed universities to divest from certain investments that they didn't think were ethical. There's been a lot of push from university students, um, particularly in the US, which is where I was before I moved here, to push universities to be much more ethical about it. But again, I think we we have to we have the responsibility to lead uh, by by doing. You know, mm. you can't talk sustainability without walking it. Um, you're, you're judged on what you do, and you should be. Mm, well, you do. You do have to walk it. What, what are you going to do at DIDI to uh, Well, it's the... absolutely integrated in every single piece of curriculum we do. Um, I think it's the responsibility of a designer to understand the environmental and the human impacts of the materials they choose to do. Again, coming from a fashion background, that's not the tradition in design education. Do we like the way it looks? Do we like the way it feels? Do we like the way it fits? End of topic. Not where did it come from? Who made it? How is it made? What is it made from? Those are questions that we must ask as designers. This is a creative process. We're bringing a life into being. Uh, you know, we're, this is something we're producing. And with that comes a responsibility. That's not the tradition of education to teach that responsibility perspective. And it is very much a part of how we're going to be educating our students. What about your mum, uh, NLT? What would she say uh, about this? She's here at the moment. She I is know here that. at the yeah, moment, enjoying um, a holiday. But what what's her? What would her take be on the sustainability? It's hard. Um, I guess I I grew up doing recycling and stuff like that. That was always quite important in our house, separating things out. And you know, my mum has a couple of separate bins. But I don't know if 
you know, we were the most um, sustainable forward thinking family, you know, beyond. <laughs> no, but beyond recycling and some of the basics, I don't th- I don't remember there being a massive emphasis. But like you, I would never have dreamed, you know, watching someone put a, a plastic bottle in the in the regular bin, I'd be mortified. And I would say, why aren't you recycling that? So I guess I've picked some things up, but nothing on the scale of, you know, what you're doing at your school at all. It's um, it's different, but it's great. And I think the accountability it is great. Children are the first ones to say to their parents, why are you doing that? And, you know, lots of people can't offer a decent explanation. Children are great at making parents guilty. That's <laughs> how it works, Graham, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Uh, my own children uh, and, and how my own practice at home has changed. Uh, I used to, you know, brush my teeth with the water running. And now I don't. Mm-hmm. I do brush my teeth, mm-hmm. but I don't have, don't have the water running. Seth was uh, displeased that you say that. It was an immediate <laughs> no-no. Um, but the recycling is actually really easy. Uh, it's mm. just, you know, we need to take, to take time to do it and, and be um, deliberate about what we do. And as Sass said, you know, think carefully about the choices that we make, read the labels a bit more. And uh, it's like the, the generation of children we have now, you know, the the digital natives, they've never known life without the smartphone, without the iPad and so on. Uh, but they've also never known life without these sort of discussions. And for our generation, older generations, people like Sir David Attenborough has brought it uh, to, to people's attention. Mm. You know, where, where we use Facebook a lot, whereas our children would never be seen dead on Facebook. They use the messenger, but Facebook's for old people like us. But we do tend to share a lot of the, you know, the plastics in the ocean stories. But there's a deeper level than that, and that's what we're looking to do in the school is to actually educate to a deeper level and, and, and get children to be asking the critical questions. And we need to keep asking questions, don't we? Yeah. We need to keep trying to engage people. And if we use our kids to engage uh, parents uh, via the school, that's going to be a good thing. But it is an effort that you need to sustain. It is an effort. I mean, it's it's harder to even just remember to bring a recycled carrier bag with you instead of using single-use plastic, to ask not to have a straw in your drink, to, you know, all of these things require a certain amount of consciousness and effort. But, you know, there's there's something that we call in, in the fashion industry the hidden price tag, and that's not the price that you pay as a consumer at the till. That's the price that the production charges the the environment that the people making those clothes or that product pay that the environment pays through pollution etc and you know you're not aware of it as a consumer but it's very much there and so knowledge and understanding of that hidden price tag as a designer helps mitigate it Sass Brown is the Dean of the Dubai Institute of Design and Innovation. Sass, uh, always good to have you here. Thanks for coming in. It's a pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Uh, Rafi Chikirian, been with us as well uh, from DIDI Cross Disciplinary Design Faculty. Thank Rafi, you again good for to talk us. to you. Uh, and also Graham Scott here, founding director of Fair Green International School. All the best, Graham. Nice to see you. Thanks, too. Tim. It's been a pleasure. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.